Welcome everybody to another episode of the Body, Minds and Manor podcast with your host, Rand Stewart. Today I'm joined by my guest, health and exercise coach, Jack Stewart, once again for another core and answer question and answer session. I just say Q&A question and answer session and I'm not cutting that out, I'm not editing that. I don't uh, people ask me why I don't edit my podcasts. Well, why wouldn't they? People make mistakes, don't they? So what? So today's first question is it's from Doggo Da Silva. <laughs> That's such a cool name. Why does coffee relax me and calming tea makes me feel agitated? There's two ways I'm going to approach this. The first one being... The first one being sometimes... I'm going to use an example here as well, which is my roommate, and he doesn't know I actually... He doesn't know I actually performed this experiment on him. It was something that I wanted to do for myself to sort of prove to myself that the mind maybe does have power over matter and it's really your perceptions and your beliefs that really control then what happens, the physiological response and the psychological response within the body. And it was whenever I... He said... What he said was he didn't want to stay up too late that night. He had things to do, but he didn't want to stay up too late. Would Would he mind if I made him a cup of coffee? So I made him a cup of coffee. Now, mind you, this was decaf coffee. There was no caffeine in the coffee. And I gave it to him and he said that was too strong. And he sort of had a bit of an argument with me that he didn't want to drink it and all. And I said, yeah, you might as well drink it now and do as much as you can. And the next evening when he came in, he explained to me that he didn't get any sleep that night because of the, because of the caffeine stimulant from the coffee or whatever it may be. And I still haven't told him this day that there was no caffeine in it because I just wanted to, I just wanted to prove that maybe there is a bit of mind play, trick play going on there with yourself. For example, if you, even if you did this, if you can, do, you can try this yourself. If you give two people, um, two decaf coffees and tell them that it's the strongest espresso ever made on earth, sometimes people get on as if you know they are getting that stimulation, they are getting that sympathetic adrenal system overdrive and then whenever you tell them oh, there was no caffeine in that I don't know what you're talking about just the mind sort of the mind sort of has power over matter and maybe that's what's happening with you with your coffee maybe you think coffee has a relaxing f- effect on you maybe that's why it's happening and maybe your calming tea makes you feel agitated because you're perceiving that there's going to be some other response from your calming tea now I don't know what you I don't know where you're getting the idea that this tea is calming, whether it says on, I mean, what do you call that tea? Pucka tea? Pucka tea, isn't it? Pucka calming tea. They have the, the ingredients on it and stuff. Stress relief tea, deep calming sleep tea, whatever it may be. But again, that's just imagery. You know, the idea is planted in your head already before you even drink the tea. I mean, it could be, I don't know, it could be piss fart for all we know that's really in the tea. But the idea is there. The imagery's there and you perceive that then as if that's going to happen to you and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So really, to me, it seems that you're perceiving that there's going to be some effect within your body from drinking coffee and from drinking tea and maybe that's just playing in your mind and then playing out in your whenever you are drinking coffee or tea. The only other thing I would say now is this is bringing it back in the physical body. I don't think the mind and the body can be separated, but coffee relaxing you. Sometimes people are in that much adrenal stress that whenever they take a stimulant, the body has no other choice but to go into deep sort of relaxation, deep sleep, put you in a deep tired state before adrenal blowout happens, before the sympathetic 
adrenal nervous system really blows you out and causes real, real harm within the body. I've, I've done this before too. Sometimes whenever you think about whenever you're very, very tired and even on a night out from party and you're very, very tired and you drink another Vulcan Red Bull because you think it's going to keep you up and you just end up passing out. I think that's a body's survival mechanism. Putting you out before something worse happens, whether that be a heart attack or that be adrenal fatigue or blowout. And it does sound a bit extreme, but sometimes the body just is smarter and it overrides the programs that you're trying to feed it. For example, people that are taking caffeine have, want the effect of staying up, having that um, sympathetic effect within the body to give them energy. It's not energy, it's false energy. It's just adrenal stress hormones going throughout the body that's giving you that effect of being energetic. So a lot of the times... The body is much smarter and it will cancel out the effects and maybe put you to sleep or put you in a relaxation mode in order to reduce the amount of um, stress hormones within the blood. Which, you know, stress hormones aren't exactly the best thing to be in your blood. Yes, at times a fight or flight whenever you need to escape immediate danger. But over time, I mean, this is what puts you in this protective mode, the protective barrier that really puts you in that state of dis-ease. And then disease starts to manifest within the body. Um, I'll put you on the jack here now to see if he can expand this here or has any ideas on himself or maybe you've some experience in that field well hello everyone thank you very much Ryan for having me for this um, Q&A uh, I just want to bring you back to that point where you were saying about someone who has adrenal stress already and the impact of caffeine on their body might uh, you know the body might not have any other uh, what do you call it no other, pathway, no other pathway, but they just bring that back to the parasympathetic. But I could say, because do you remember our grandmother? Like she used to, remember she used to have a coffee. Yeah, and yeah, the time yeah. She could sleep, no problem. That's right. But if the body's been doing that there for so long, like I, you know, I've been doing that there intermittent fasting for maybe two or three years now, and every morning I've had a coffee or two, and adapts. It adapts, yeah. And before it was like a, a coffee, and then boom, I was awake. See. Yeah. You know, during this moment in time, especially like on lockdown, it's just now, it's like a routine and it just, once I have that coffee, I just feel like, oh, right, that's me, I'm starting my day. So there's no no quick burst of energy, so I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know yeah. if my body's adapting to the caffeine and saying, well, it's not too bad because today there I had a, uh, another tea brand there, and it was but it was a lemon and ginger flavour and it didn't make me feel any any you know, more alert than what the coffee would have done. So, do not know the science behind it all, but I would just say that if you've been repeating the same cycle or the same regime through your diet, I think your body's just going to manifest and adapt to that there. Yeah, that's and perfect. You, just, you won't be, you know, stimulating yourself in any other way. Yep, the adaptation. That's perfect. I didn't actually think about that there when I was talking about that. The body can't adapt. And whether that be through your, through your perceptions, your beliefs, or through your physical body, it does adapt to the situations that you're given it. It adapts to the, the stimulants, it adapts to the situations that you put it in. And that's another point that we could have touched on here. So on to our next question here from Iman Far, Farsat. And he says, why am I feeling so bad since starting a sugar-free diet? Well, my man, I've only got one I've only sort of got one, well again then, there's your mind and your body coming into play again, your perceptions, your belief. You maybe think that because you started the sugar-free diet you're not going to have energy. And lo and behold, you don't have any energy and you're feeling so bad. Other things are your liver is overtaxed at the minute. 
it's breaking down the excess glycogen to be used as glucose because you're not feeding your body with glucose anymore. Your cells are like, where the fuck's my sugar at? And you're not giving it any. Your body's having to use it its own resources to pump the amount of to pump the same amount of glucose that you would have been taking on a daily basis. You're again the adaptive response like Jack was talking about there. Your body's already adapted to the, the high amount of sugar that maybe you were already giving it to perform its energy functions. Now you've taken away that you've taken away that energy supply. So your body has to go into maybe other methods of your liver breaking down the glycogen, your fat cells breaking down the adipose tissue to be used as energy. Or the muscle. And even the muscle, yeah. If you if you're in that much of a sympathetic if you're in that much of a sympathetic state, your body will produce that much stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, and it may actually manifest then in breaking down your own protein, your muscle, to be used as energy. You need to remember people, your body is a mechanism, your body and your mind want to want you to survive and they will do any means possible in order to keep you alive, in order to keep itself alive. Your physical body wants to stay alive. Even if you at your worst even at your worst, whenever people are suicidal, depressed, anxious, your body will do whatever it takes to stay alive. And that's the most remarkable thing that I can say on this podcast. Your body wants to survive whether you do or not. And it'll do amazing things. You may think it may be the hand of God or some outer force saving you. It's just your body doing what it needs to do in order to survive. So you feeling so bad on this sugar-free diet, your body's just giving you a kick. It's saying, where's my sugar at now? don't know why you've gave up sugar. Maybe someone said to you that sugar is bad for the body. Personally, if your body can use sugar and it can use it well and use it for the energy that it needs, I don't see a problem with taking sugar. People have this... People take on these false beliefs because someone posts an article in Nature magazine or someone posts a YouTube video saying that sugar's so bad for you, caffeine's so bad for you, fat's so bad for you. You know, people... We need to realise, people, that all these studies have been wrong before. Once we thought saturated fat was giving us heart attacks, that was proved wrong. The cholesterol myth has been debunked. Um, and maybe in another 10 years they'll say, you know what, sugar wasn't actually so bad for us. So don't take it, don't take things that false sort of, or how can I put it? Do not take things so personally to yourself whenever research is being posted. You need to remember that there's always an agenda behind research. And back then it was the whole thing, grains and crops were coming out and the WHO, the WHO uh, World Health Organization, had put carbs, refined grains, or not refined grains, carbs, grains and corn at the top of the food chain. And then they post out, fat is making you have heart attacks. Now where's the agenda there? Obviously you're going to be buying a lot more carbohydrates, aren't you? Low fat products. It just fitted their agenda. It fitted the economic model. That's getting a bit deep, like it's a bit of a conspiracy like, but anyway, that is what happened. And then people ended up paying the consequences for that there. I'm not saying fat's essential for your diet or fat's not essential for your diet. You can live in oxygen if you want, I don't really care, or water it's really up to you and what makes you feel good, but people saying this is bad for me, don't do this and then you feel like shit, well it's a no brainer you know, you can still eat some sugar why not, if it makes you feel good and you're happy in all, all other aspects of your life incorporate it into your diet or your routine or whatever you may you want I mean see after I do a massive workout my body likes a little bit of chocolate and stuff. My body likes caffeine. My body likes coffee. <coughs> my body will do what it needs in order to stay, stay alive and keep me healthy. Keep me happy. Keep me fulfilled. And that's really what it's about, people. Stop buying into these dogmatic beliefs. That's like a religious cult, a satanic cult. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's like when you're, you're younger and your mummy and daddy said, don't eat all them cookies. You know, you're an adult now. Make the decisions for yourself. If, it, if maybe one day 
you realise, you know what, I shouldn't have been doing that all these years, it's knocked 10 years off my life. But it won't even be that though. It will not be that extra bit of sugar that you took or that extra cookie that you ate is going to determine whether you drop 10 years earlier or have some disease within your body. It's much more complex than that. So you saying to me you feel bad since starting a sugar-free diet, and I know I went off on a bit of a rant there, but take into account what your body needs. If your body needs a little bit of extra sugar, take it in order for you to do it through your activities. And if you've ended up expanding that, Jack, well, I think I would just say to whoever this person wants to ask the question, if you're feeling bad, don't do it. You know, every person is, every individual person in this world is different. Every diet, every food, nutrient, mineral is going to affect them differently. And, like, I remember one time, Ryan and I, we both tried vegetarian and vegan diets. We, <laughs> vegetarian was okay, but see the vegan diet. See, one week, we had no energy. We could not last on it. So we said to ourselves within the week, when we were fatigued and uh, quite, poss- quite possibly going to drop off our feet anytime soon, we said to ourselves, right, we're just going to go back to our normal diet. And then just like that, we were back to normal. So I would urge this person just to be, you know, sugar-free diet, try it for, I don't know how long you've tried it for. But if it's starting to get to a point where it's affecting your uh, your thinking process, your work, and... Uh, everything else that's going on with your life just stop it and it doesn't matter uh, how skinny you want to be or how athletic you want to get just make sure that you uh, don't ruin your body or take it any further than what you're already coming across as whoa mic fell off yeah perfect it's just really it's so individual to each person that I can't sit here, Jack can't sit here and prescribe the perfect diet for you. I always say eat for energy, clarity and focus on whatever that may be for you in order for you to figure out what gives you the energy throughout the day which makes gives you the mindset for clear thinking and for focus to achieve whatever you need to achieve. That is the right eating for you. That's the right protocols, that's the right supplements, whatever it may be to get you through the day. And that's all we really have to talk about. How much is the right amount to work out for your overall health? For me, the right amount to work out for overall health would be the exercise program or the workout program that enables me to achieve my body composition goals, whatever they may be. For example, like this, this comes in it again. This is why I'm so, I'm not so against people putting out workout. I'm not so against people selling their workout programs to people. I'm not so against people putting out the best workout programs. And this is what it says on YouTube and stuff. The best workout program for the your time over COVID. The best home workout program. The best program for building biceps. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't though. I mean, from one of my greatest mentors, Paul Check, nobody knows anyone's physical, mental, emotional or spiritual state. Nobody really knows what post-injuries a person's had. No one knows how much stressors a person has in their lives. So for someone to prescribe a workout program, which may be quite hard-hitting, which may be quite stressful on an already stressed system, that would be my biggest fear. Now, don't get me wrong, a person can overcome all these stressors and incorporate a very hard-hitting workout into their routine. But I think I spoke about this before. Until you know someone's... I'm not saying you have to do this for every time you're going to work out. You know, analyse your stress system. 
you know, if you feel like if you feel you can't work out and push yourself quite hard one day, that's fair enough. You do that. But whenever you're in a state that you're actually debilitating your body's reserves, whenever working out actually puts you in more of an energy disbalance. Uh, basically, whenever a workout takes more energy from you than it gives you, I mean, working out is supposed to give you energy. It's supposed to build you up. That's why they call it bodybuilding whenever you're lifting weights because it's supposed to build the body. But whenever you're doing workout programs that are just leaving you fatigued, leaving you shaky, putting you in that sympathetic state because your body's already stressed out from, you know, we don't know, so you may have some yeast or a parasite infection, you may have some mental or emotional trauma that you haven't dealt with, and then you're pushing yourself to the absolute limits. I mean, people drop, people drop running marathons because there's some unresolved issue there, and you know, drop with the heart attacks. They think they're the fittest people in the world and they drop with heart attacks. People even drop in the gyms. I've seen people take heart attacks in gyms. I've seen people who, you know, wow, look at him, he looks in great shape, and they just drop to the floor. You know, their face goes bright red and they drop. There's some unresolved, there's some unresolved physical, mental, or emotional issue there at play, which is why I, would, I don't think I would ever prescribe a workout program for anyone without fully understanding what they need. I think that's the premise we all need to begin from. Um, Jack's the exercise coach here, he'd be able to tell you a bit more, but for me... I wouldn't want to tell anyone how to work out unless I knew exactly what they wanted to achieve and then getting them best there. That would be me. Well, I think the only uh, quote I can say here is you need to ride the ponies before you ride the bulls. You know, yeah. you don't want to you don't want to train someone who, you know, let's say there's a skinny individual who wants to be, I don't know, aesthetic or bodybuilding shape. You're not going to start that person off at the most advanced program, are you? You want to start them light and you want to start them at the the most progressive way possible. Progressive overload and um, just not putting the body under stress through excessive training. And the way I've approached this here over the years, like I've done heavy weights and weight, or weights that I can barely lift, but I just went to see uh, what like how, how, how much strength I could um, put out into the, into the world. And obviously it came back with injuries and or... Uh, or what do you call that plateau um, but I think one of the one of the quotes that I, I don't know if this is uh, something that's came up with I'm just going to finish it with here uh, is train progressively not aggressively yeah I like that one because you know you're progressing the body it's all about the progression and you don't want to get there you know do you want to take the straight road that may be a bit hard or do you want to take the windy road that may be I don't know what's the around sir <laughs> what am I talking about do you want to take the windy road that has a lot of knocks and cranks and a lot of hard effort, or do you just want to take that straight road to steroid city? I don't know. Yeah, give me a name, totally. Yeah, he's totally right in what he's saying here. And the scary thing is, we all know these people. They say they're working out all the time, they're working out seven days a week, they're going to two spin classes, they're doing weight training, and yet they come to you and they're exactly the same person that you seen maybe a year ago. And the scary thing is, people, the body is so dis- the body's so deceptive you may think you have all this energy to work out, yet your body is eating away at itself. You're so stressed in your own system that, that that's like a fake energy. It's basically stress hormones going out through your bloodstream, making you feel like you've all this energy to work out, and it's not at all. It's just stress of the system. And I would advise people, that's what people talk about overtraining. That's something much more fearful for me. F- fake energy, thinking I have the energy when I'm really using my own body's reserves, when I'm breaking down my own muscle. In an attempt to, in an attempt to build the body, you're basically using the own body's reserves to overtrain, 
and I think that's probably one of the most dangerous things out there in the minute with this whole no pain, no gain, um, no pain, no gain culture. So next question here is, there's a lot of questions about caffeine here. Do you know about that? Should I buy the BCAA powder if I'm using whey protein? Prince chain amino acids? Well, uh, let me just think here. Prince chain amino acids, what did I... They basically prevent muscle breakdown or, you know... And fasting so, and stuff. So I'm told to believe they, they, they've been proven or maybe disproven to uh, help the the muscle recovery or help the breakdown of muscle recovery. So obviously you take that once you're... or before and after your workout. So before to prevent muscle breakdown and then after obviously because your muscles are strained and they're obviously in a catabolic state. But... For doing it with whey protein, I don't see that there's no problem with taking them both because I remember I was doing it at the same time. I was taking that, what's that, whey, whey organic or whey ahead stuff is the one that I used to have. Like I went from the gold standard to the whey organic because I obviously looked into the organic food. I like the gold standard one. Yeah. It had the branch chain amino acids in it as well, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it said that, but I, do, I don't see the problem with mixing the, mixing the both because you could do it before like obviously you wouldn't take a protein shake before you go to the gym you take your branch chain amino acids before and after and then maybe five to ten minutes after you've taken them then you take your your way standard your branch chain amino acids to prevent the breakdown of the muscle when you are working out Mm -hmm. and then the protein that stimulate protein senses to build the muscle after the workout yeah that's it Mm -hmm. and i'll just give you a wee tip here like i don't like I've, i've done this before in a youtube video and i don't know if it's been proven or done before you can buy an intermittent fasting with the BCAAs. So you take green tea before your workout to s- stimulate that um, fat acceleration. Yeah. Take the BCAAs to prevent the muscle breakdown. And, well, you can work it out for yourself. So you're burning fat and building muscle at the same time or keeping muscle. So there's a wee pointer for the person who asked that question. So actually ties in with the next question. Does quitting caffeine cause weight gain? People always ask me about metabolism. Um, how to boost your metabolism. What I feel is that if people don't have a if people don't have a metabolism to begin with, and the easiest way to determine whether you have a metabolism or not is, are you lethargic all the time and do you have no energy? That means your metabolic system isn't working at all. Your liver's sluggish. You don't have a metabolism, so all the supplements and all the caffeine in the world is not going to help you in that case. But for someone with a metabolism that maybe does want to increase, I don't know about increasing your metabolic rate. I I don't really buy into that. I think that's horseshit to be honest. Um, I think your metabolic rate always goes back to the homeostasis, its original level. But for people saying quitting caffeine, I don't know about an increase in metabolism or due to the amount of... Because caffeine sort of stimulates that, again, that sympathetic nervous system, the stress hormones, and maybe it gives you that feeling of more energy. I'm not quite sure. I, like I say, I used to be a scientist, but I'm sort of pulling away from that whole Newtonian physics. Um, nuclear, well, not the nuclear... Basically, the whole sort of concept of matter is the only thing that there is. That's a topic for another day. In terms of metabolism, I always thought that caffeine, if you can think of your metabolism as a burning fire, right? You're burning fire here. The caffeine is what's going to sort of ignite that fire, like putting a little bit of petrol in the fire. Things like green tea extract and caffeine cut from coffee are going to sort of ignite that fire. And then people take things like L-carnitine tartrate, which sort of, 
um, increases the amount of metabolic fatty acids, especially if you're fasting, increases the amount of metabolic fatty acids that are available to your mitochondria to burn that as energy. But that's basically like keeping a continuous supply of logs or coal going on this fire. So if you combine them two together, that's why people say it is elevates fat loss. But I, I keep on going away from the question. Like, well, <laughs> the question was, does quitting caffeine? But I'm trying to give them an overall view of what caffeine's actually doing for people that maybe are trying to lose weight. So for you saying, does quitting caffeine cause weight gain? There's two ways to look at it. People, sometimes people that have coffee, it sort of blunts their appetite and then they don't want to eat food. So there's you cutting your calories out by having more coffee or caffeine there. And on another stage there, yes, if you have if you have that metabolism, then the caffeine's going to ignite that fire and burn more calories for you throughout the day. So if you quit that, if you cut that out and you're eating more and you don't have your sort of caffeine there as your fat-burning source, well then, yes, that can cause weight gain. But again, there's other things to look at there. I mean, how stressed are you? Um, are you trying to diet now that you're off the caffeine which can cause this upset within your hormonal system which again can cause weight gain um, I'm not so sure it, it's sort of hard to answer these questions without an overall view of you as a person um, Ashley V. Owens has answered this question it's sort of hard to get an overall view of what exactly you're experiencing without a bit more information we're just trying to give you a general insight here into what you're saying you going to say that uh, I'll take it back to my core page here just for that question about what was it that does caffeine make you gain weight? Does quitting caffeine cause? Does quitting cause... caffeine make you gain weight? Uh, well, I'll take it from a perspective of someone who has very bad adrenal fatigue. So, what you would see students doing nowadays, secondary school um, students doing, and maybe, maybe people who are having a very busy office day. Instead of having a fully nutritious breakfast or that nice coffee with a bit of coconut oil or butter, what do they reach for? Energy drinks. Energy drinks yeah. is the number one <laughs> branded drink to boost your day and to get you awake for the day with also a little bit of taste. And I remember loads of people kept asking me this about er the, this energy drink thing. I, I must have had about 100 questions about energy drinks uh, coming at me. And it was all due to why it's making me feel fatigued and why am I, when I'm, when I'm in this energy drink diet, so some people called it, why am I not gaining any weight? Well, basically what I thought was with your adrenal fatigue and your circadian rhythm, not going to bed properly, the only thing that you're thinking about is that sugar and that spike of energy from the energy drinks. But the person who is adrenally fatigued and is only consuming sugar and caffeine in their body, they're not even thinking about food. They're not even thinking about the good nutrients. They just want um, an instant, let's just say instant relief from all, from the tiredness and all that they're experiencing. Yeah. So I think in a sense, like if, if, you're, if you're one of those people that I just listed there, in a sense, coming off energy drinks and caffeine um, caffeine built energy drinks or caffeine related energy drinks I think it actually will help you um, gain more weight because you'll not be drinking as much as them and your appetite won't be blunted like Ryan said with the coffee I think it'll actually help you realise that you know eating is essential for uh, our brain power and our energy in order to uh, go throughout our day 
So that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, nice. Um, the next question here, we're going to do this quite quickly here because we only have a few minutes left. Um, what would you say is worse, consuming excess saturated fats daily or excess sugar daily? Again, this is going to be quite a quick answer. Depending on the source of saturated fats that you're eating and depending on the source of sugar that you're eating, it can be either, it can be neither, it can be both. And really it depends on, it keeps on getting back to this, people. We're, we're far too much in the head here, we're far too much over-analyzing things, we're reading all these studies, we're reading all these books, we're far too much in our own minds of what can be bad for us. Why not Why not revert that there? What can be good for me? Why not say that? What can be good for my body? What can be good for my mind right now? What What you will find, people, is a, it's for a perfect example. Whenever you consume too much alcohol, you know you're going to have a shit day the next day because you know you've over-consumed an alcohol. And that's not to do with sugar, that's not to do with the saturated fatty acids. You're just putting your liver under stress. Because of the excess alcohol, the excess acetaldehyde that's getting into your system. Yeah, so what? You get over it. You will find out that on one day, if you consume too many saturated fats, you will have an effect. The mind will either, the mind will show you, you know, you'll have that feeling within your body. It'll be an adverse effect. You'll know, or maybe it won't, depending on your metabolic type or whatever you want to call it, how your body metabolizes fats. If you consume too much sugar, you hear people talking about sugar comas whenever they consume too much sugar. Yes, but the same person that maybe has run a marathon, the same person that's maybe performed two heavy heavy workout days or two heavy workout sessions that day and then consumes the same amount of sugar will not have that same effect because their body has been able to utilise, the body has been able to absorb, digest, assimilate, utilise the, the fuel that you're giving it. So stop taking this at literal level because I feel these people ask these questions and want a straight answer that I would just say, oh, excess sugar is going to be too bad for you or excess saturated fat is going to be bad for you. It totally depends on what your body needs on that given day. If you're too mentally stressed one day, that little bit of excess saturated fats might be good for repairing the neurons, for repairing the myelin sheaths, you know, giving you that sort of neural transmission again, the neural mirroring, if whatever they call it, I'm not quite sure. But it really depends on what you need that day, and you will feel it in your body. I thought this was bullshit too whenever I was told it at a class, at a seminar. You know, your body will tell you what it needs. Well, how the fuck's my body going to tell me what I need? I'm going to tell my body what it needs. It's not that case, though. Whenever you perform a heavy workout session, sometimes your body will crave maybe chocolate. Sometimes it'll crave meat. Like, you know, times before you're ravenous for... Sometimes you're ravenous for chicken goujons. You know I mean? You're ravenous for that meat. You're ravenous for that protein synthesis to repair the damage that has been done. On other days after a hangover... Sometimes I think whenever you consume a lot of excess alcohol, your body doesn't crave sugar as much the next day. It craves, again, the fat. It craves the fat, and that's why people go for, I think, like chip shops and stuff. That's not bad. Your body's just trying to replenish that fat. You know, it's trying to replenish the damage maybe that has been done, if any damage has been done at all. That's all I have to really say on it. Stop thinking in terms of what is bad for me. Excess, what is bad for me? Think of what does my body need? What is good for me at this point? Well, you've said it all. Yeah. So, I think that's all we have time for today, people. I was going to do a quick round there. Um, in fact, actually, hang on. I'm going to do a quick round. So, I'm going to ask the questions and Jack's going to give you a, a quick answer. Which is the most calories, steamed rice or fried rice? Steamed rice. Steamed rice is more <laughs> calories than fried rice. <laughs> does fasting does fasting improve metabolism? You can give a short answer. Apparently so, yes. And more on that there? What? Anything more on that? 
No, just apparently yes. Like it was a short answer. Apparently so, yes. Is there anything wrong with not getting enough vitamin D from sunlight? Uh, no, I don't think so, because there's other sources of uh, food and all that you can get vitamin D from. So I don't see why the sun has to be the only one. Milk, for example. Is it better to always eat whole wheat products? Not always, no. Because whole wheat, if you could be... What is that there? Uh, uh, no, not really. Whole wheat's just, uh, you know, it's a branded thing. Like, like and what we were saying before, you know, if it's if it's not good for your body or you feel shit on eating it, just don't eat it. What are the benefits, you like this one, what are the benefits of coconut oil on a ketogenic diet? Oh, well, the benefits would be it's an essential uh, fatty oil and if you're into your beauty and looks, it's like a self, what's that there? It's an anti-aging oil and it could be used to replenish your skin. Make it more radiant and reduce spots and acne. Nice one, yeah. It's actually a quite powerful antifungal and antiviral agent as well for people that are listening, or COVID listeners that are listening. So that's all we have time for today <laughs> on the Body Mindset Mentor podcast. Thank you for Jack Stewart, holistic exercise coach. I will link his Instagram, Facebook, Quora page beneath the show notes. And thank you. This is your host, Rand Stewart. And hopefully we will be speaking to you guys soon again.